Everyone, welcome to another awesome day with a struggle. I'm Sean Lee. And I'm James Park. We're here to discuss the reality of daily struggles and how it's a constant no matter where we are on our journey. Join us for honest conversations as we navigate life, business, and career challenges. Learn how to accept the struggles and how it's all about the mindset. So this week, we talk a lot about dissatisfaction. It's the beginning of the year, and there are a lot of reasons for people to be dissatisfied as they're reflecting on their previous year and their life, because this is that time of year where we do a lot of reflection. So hopefully we have some good tips for you to deal with dissatisfaction. Enjoy the episode. Happy New Year, everyone. This is episode 52. We've been calling it startup struggles, but with just Sean and myself, we always just call it struggles because it's a little little confusing, right? We first started talking about startup struggles as, as Sean was working on his own startup and I was considering my life as a startup. Over time, we've kind of shortened what we call this, right? We just call it struggles. But anyways, welcome. We have a special guest behind us today. Miles is going to join us for a little bit. He's going to be watching TV behind Sean, so you might hear him laughing. <laughs> if he's laughing or saying anything, it's because he's completely 100% agreeing with everything that Sean and I are saying. Pretty much. Yeah. Right, Miles? <laughs> right. Well, to get right in, Sean and I were, we were having an earlier discussion before we started recording about, just to say it easily, it's satisfaction with your life. In our last episode, we talked about how a lot of people talk about goals and what they want to achieve in the new year. And we kind of mentioned how New Year's resolutions kind of suck, but they are important because it it gives you a path to go forward. It gives you something to want to achieve in the new year. What we want to talk about this episode is being satisfied with your life. Yeah. Being comfortable with what you're doing. I think what prompts that a little bit too is, especially the feeling of a new year, you're thinking about, all right, well, what went right or what went wrong last year, especially I think what didn't we like about last year. I do that in a lot of my reflections and I'm just like thinking about, well, how can we improve that aspect this year? What can we change? Because, you know, it's turning a new leaf or a new, new page. It's like, what are some of the things that we can potentially change? But it, it also brings up a lot of, I think, sometimes dissatisfaction. It's almost like shines a spotlight on all the things that we are discontent about. And the feeling of not doing enough. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I have some thoughts on that, James, because this is something I've been thinking about for the past eight months. It's something that's been plaguing me. And then I've been reading a lot of books to overcome it. But I think for our listeners, let's hear a little bit about some of your struggles around just feeling discontent. Because, you know, you've, you know, when we started this podcast, you were on your sabbatical, Mm -hmm. your one year plus sabbatical. Thanks for calling it that. It's nice. I mean, that's that's what it is, right? It was intentional unemployment. I don't think it was that you couldn't find a job, right? There were a lot of opportunities coming at you. It's not like you can find opportunities. It's you intentionally chose not to do things, which is also a form of action. And now that you're experiencing a job, I think as with many people in corporate, there are a lot of upsides, but there's also sometimes just questions about long-term what does this look like? What's my life look like? Yeah, I, th- I think the point about satisfaction comes up a lot. You know, majority of us are probably working some form of a 
a corporate job or some kind of office position, some sort of job where you have to go in at a set amount of time, whether it's between nine to five or later, like in the afternoon, it's all an eight hour kind of shift, eight or 10 hour, 12 hour kind of shift. And what's interesting for me is I was always unsatisfied with every job that I had. I always thought that there was more, something more that I wanted to do. And so I switched roles. And in the first seven years of my life, when I started working, I stayed at two places. And then after that, I jumped around a lot, maybe almost every year. I was at a different kind of company, year and a half. And then I took that sabbatical and I did nothing for a year. And then I'm back in a role where I intentionally chose to come into this sales position to learn how to communicate with people. And what's funny is that regardless of how hard I work or how much I enjoy the job or how much I hated the job or how much I wasn't working during sabbatical and doing absolutely nothing and just bumming around, or maybe some days I was working and exercising pretty heavy, I was always dissatisfied. And it made me realize that no matter what I surrounded myself with, if I was not satisfied with with myself and how I am now, nothing will change that. There's no amount of money that I can make, no matter relationships that I can make, no matter travel that I can do, no matter things that I can consume, like how much TV I could possibly watch. It all comes down to kind of a mindset. You have to be satisfied with where you are now. It's really tricky. I'm really curious, what causes it for you? If you were to take a moment to think about that, because for me, I'm not going to tell you what causes it for me yet, but I think I figured out what causes me to feel discontent, even when everything is right. I'd love to see what you think might cause that for you. It's the feeling of wanting more. I'm not sure wanting more of what. Okay, maybe it's this. It's wanting more and not feeling like I'm enough, that where I am now is enough. What is making you feel like you want or need more or that you don't have enough? I think it's a social aspect. Okay. That's kind of what I'm trying to see if that's what it is as well, because that's exactly what it is for me. Yeah. It's a social thing. It's a social thing. It's a comparison thing. Yeah. Right? Right, Miles? <laughs> yeah, Miles totally agrees. I wonder if if you lived completely alone, just disconnected from the world and had not known that there was whatever else out there. Yeah. A better widget, a better trinket. Yeah. I think you'd be fine. I would wonder actually, a hundred years ago, did people feel like this? I'm sure they did. I don't know if it would be as strong or as vast because now with internet, with just how we're connected, we can see everything. You know, before if you were to tell someone 100 years ago that you can have all the information that you possibly want in the palm of your hand by clicking a few buttons, not even buttons, clicking on a screen or talking to something and you can have all this information, it would like be like mind-blowing. And that's kind of where we're at now. There's like a graph or an image, which I'll find and I'll share with our listeners of social media. I'm sure everyone's seen this where it's like social media and depression. Everyone's life seems better than your own. There's like this chart of like, you're like at a low point. Everybody else's life seems like it's 10 times better than yours. But in reality, it's like everybody's life is the same, right? Yeah. (laughs) But, you know, just that impression that people are doing things that you're not, that can be a cause of dissatisfaction. Like, for example, I think 
this is partially why I don't use social media as much. Even with Instagram, I only use it because Hassan got me onto golf. I think I shared with everyone already. But I actually <laughs> mute almost everybody. I mute almost everybody's stories and posts, not because I don't like them, but because, you know, if I want to go check out their life, I'll go to their profile. Like if I think of them, I'll go to their profile and check out what's going on, right? I don't need like a constant feed of what's going on. Because then what I'll see is out of, you know, the hundreds of people that I follow, there's 365 days a year. I'm pretty sure somebody's on fucking vacation every fucking day, (laughs) right? Like a different person is on vacation every single day. And just like that alone, it'll just annoy the shit out of me. Feel like, oh my God, I should be somewhere. But then I'm going to have that feeling every day, which is not realistic. I can't be on vacation every fucking day and in like a different destination. Like I would be fucking miserable. I, I know people who, who do that. And because, you know, what's novel becomes routine, like traveling. And so I know that for sure is a source of dissatisfaction that I've actively tried to remove from my life. Because again, if I'm inspired to do something, go somewhere, I will go actively seek information or ask people who I know who have been there or something like that. But otherwise, I don't really need to know. <laughs> I just, I don't need to know. Yeah. And I'm, I'm happier for it, to be honest. I agree. Same with like jobs and careers. Like the only times where like I feel a lot of angst, like I should be doing more as an entrepreneur is when I read about other entrepreneurs, like raising $100 million, you know, or blah, 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 doing this, doing that. And I'm just like, oh, fuck, what am I doing with my life? I have these tiny little businesses, you know, that are changing lives and providing jobs, right? But it's just like, compared to what those guys are doing, it's like so dissatisfied. Although what's funny, James, is that recently I haven't had to like be as dissatisfied. You know why? Because everybody's fucking company is falling apart, right? Like they're laying like <laughs> tens, hundreds of thousands of people off, right? We're, we're not laying anybody off. A lot of them are going bankrupt. They're being sold or valued you know, with down rounds and, and then or they're just blown up straight up. But that shouldn't be a reason for me to feel happy or unhappy, right? I shouldn't feel unhappy when other people are succeeding. At the same time, I shouldn't feel happy when they're failing. Like, what kind of fucking life is that, <laughs> you know? Because then like my feelings, my happiness is completely dictated by other people. Yeah. But that's, those are just two examples where, you know, one is personal, one is work, where I had to catch myself mentally active, be like, why am I comparing myself to this person? I'm on my own journey. I'm on my own path. I'll give you one more example about personal life. This might be something that you feel. We're about the same age, right? You know, I have a family of two kids and I know like, you know, we share that family is one of those things that, you know, you would like to have someday. But I can tell you like, I also with two kids, with a happy family, I also be like, fuck man, I should swear in front of them. (laughs) Like, damn. (laughs) That's also a swear word. (laughs) (laughs) Dang. (laughs) I know like my friends whose kids are older and like who are more independent, you know, like why not have kids sooner? You know, it's like there's so many reasons to be unhappy or dissatisfied. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely never ends. It's such human nature to compare ourselves, whether we like it or not. And I think getting frustrated at yourself for comparing just makes you more upset. Yeah. I don't think it's a matter of wanting to stop. It's more almost what you're doing, like an inquiry of like, why am I thinking like this? And it's a question of what are they doing that I want in my life where I can take action on it now? Right. I think Mark Manson talks about this a lot where 
he says that comparison is totally normal. You can't stop it. But what you have to train yourself to do is to compare yourself from yesterday. And what are the things that other people are doing that you think that you want? Figure out if it's something that you really want. Do I really, really want to, I don't know, have a family? If I really wanted a family, that would be priority, right? I would go find someone to have start a family with. But it, I think it's about trying to decipher what it is that you truly want, trying to figure out, is this something that fits in my life? I can work towards it now. And then comparing yourself each day forward saying, did I reach a slightly better version of myself than yesterday? And if the answer is yes, and a lot of times it might be no, but even then that's okay. You can have the down days because you'll have a lot of up days too. Yeah. I think that's absolutely right. And by the way, who said that? Mark Manson. He wrote The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. Yeah, that's so true. And I I totally agree. I don't think anybody can stop comparing. It's just so natural. There's so many times where I don't even realize that I'm comparing, but you're comparing because what what happens is when someone suggests something, like when a, a friend suggests, oh, like you should raise your kid like this. And it's like, Okay. <laughs> it's like, I should, <laughs> or you should be doing this with miles, you know, and you don't realize you're like, you actually, it's a comparison that annoys you because you're like, oh, like they're doing something with their kid that I should be doing with my kid, you know, but then you have to take a step back and be like, is that what I have to do with my kid? You know, like maybe, maybe not. Again, I think when comparisons feel like someone else is dictating or something else is dictating how we should live, I think that's what for me at least, causes a lot of just frustration and just discontent. Because then I feel like I don't have agency. I think what helps me is when I take a step back and be like, okay, what do I want to do? Mm-hmm. What can you do? What can I do? Then it pulls me out of that like, oh, like somebody else wants me to do something. Which I, I think, by the way, the root of that is it stems from our childhood. It's like our parents want us to do X, Y, Z. And especially I think as Asians, it's probably applicable to many cultures as well. But I know for Asians, because we're known for tiger moms, it's just like, we have such opinionated parents who are like, you should be a lawyer. You should be a doctor. You know, like, no. And that burden carries with us. We're like, oh, we need to be doing this. We need to be doing that. We need to be doing what other people tell us or think is best for us. It's like, okay, no, we need to think for ourselves. It's funny that it's just parents' generations over and over. It might stem from our parents' parents telling them, hey, this is what's good. This is what's bad. And it just comes down from generations of people just growing up the way that they think is best. Which I, again, I don't think it's wrong in any way. If I were to think about my parents' relationship and I, they've definitely changed. Obviously, as we've gotten older, it's been less like you need to practice piano every day, 365, (laughs) to like, we think this might be best or better, but it's just a suggestion. I think that the struggle sometimes with us child adults is that we don't interpret those suggestions as suggestions. We feel like a pressure, like we have to do it. Yeah, completely. Because that's how they spoke to us when we were younger. It was just a command. Yeah. But it's just like, that really the case nowadays? Like, no, like we're almost 40. It's like, they just are sharing their opinion of what they think might help. But it's still up to us to make those decisions. I think I'll, I'll give one example of feeling dissatisfied. For a long time, I always thought of myself as pretty in shape. I always thought I was like, okay, I can run at any point. I can 
hit the gym or, or play any kind of really sport. I wouldn't be good at a lot of sports, but I can at least physically keep up. But I'm in a position now where I can't do that. And it makes me hate myself so much because in my mind, you know, a lot of people might do this. They have a belief about themselves, but they can't do it now. And so the disconnect, the huge gap between what you believe yourself to be and who you actually are, that is dissatisfaction. So I'm so dissatisfied with my belief in myself, knowing that in the past I was an athlete or that I was in shape and now I am not. And so there's just such a wide gap. That's what causes me to be really kind of unsatisfied with how I am now. At the beginning of the year, I set this idea where I'm going to run every day and I'm going to do all these exercises every single day. And I'm going to do all this before 7 a.m., which in the first week I did not do a single time. And, <laughs> and so today, this morning, I just said, I'm going to go for a run and I'm just going to run until I'm tired. And it was 15 minutes, so short. I was exhausted. And I came back and I felt very good. It's like, oh, I feel good about this. I was like very satisfied, even though I can't run for two, three hours like I used to. But taking that tiny step to run just 15 minutes to go outside and go for a light jog, not putting distance on it, not putting time, just going until I, I was tired or until I wanted to like come back. And that small step is the way that I should be comparing myself now. It's like, okay, like today I ran for 15 minutes. Can I run again tomorrow? It's just 15 minutes. It's just 10 minutes. Can I just go outside for a 10 minute walk, right? And I think that is the way to start to cut down on the gap of what you would feel satisfied with, what you believe yourself to be and how you can kind of get there. Yeah. All this is like really reminding me of inquiry because you, you brought it up earlier. And this, this is like a tough thing for me to say sometimes because I hate the word accepting but it is about accepting yourself. I feel like sometimes when I say accepting, I'm kind of just like... Settling. Yeah, settling, right? But I don't think those two things are the same thing. It depends on how you, how you do it. For example, like, I'm just like, oh, I, I don't have the freedom to go hang out with my friends or do things I want to do. Like there's a ski trip coming up that was like pre-planned. And it's like, well, I got two kids. Like, I frankly can't go this year. I realized how I help myself or prime my mind out of that acceptance is that I also attach like an alternative future. What do I mean by that? So this specific example, we'll do quick inquiries. Like, is it true that like I'm less free? And by free, I mean, I, I don't have the ability to just like get up and just go and fly to a different place. The reality is yes. You know, Miles is three, Mila is like five months and Mink's working. So it's like, if Mink wasn't working and I was just like, and she was at home, then I actually might be able to, but because we're both working, it's like it is harder to, right? Because somebody needs to be with the young kids at nighttime. And that can't be grandparents because they get tired. They need the rest. And so that's my reality. But then what I append on to that reality is that like, is that my reality forever? No, it's not. You know, in a year or two, like when Mila grows up more, it's like, and Miles is going to be older. It's like they sleep through the night and anybody can really watch them. Any grandparents can hang out with them, watch them. And so I will be more available again. And so to your example of like working out, it's like, are you in the same physical condition that you were before? No, like definitely 
things have deteriorated. I, I've deteriorated in my physical abilities. But if I keep up with this and, and work back up to my physical stamina, then there is no alternative future to this present moment. Does that make sense? I like that. Because I think part of it is like, I can't just sit here willy-nilly and accept that's like, well, this is my life. Even as I'm saying it out loud, that's such a weird statement. What does that mean? I mean, this is the rest of my life? No, this is just my life right now in this moment in time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm accepting this moment in time. Ooh, that's interesting. That's something about inquiry and the word acceptance that I haven't really fully understood until just this moment. When we accept something, we're just accepting the here and now. We're not accepting here and now and a future. Right. Yeah. It's just where we are right now. And the present is the only time that we can do anything about anything. Yeah. It's the only moment we can be in anyway. I think the misconception though, common misconception is that our acceptance is kind of like sealing our fate. Yeah. Like you can't do anything about it. It's like, all right, well, I guess this is just how it is. So yeah. Like how it is now and how it's always going to be. Like you've deconditioned, like you can't run two, three hours anymore. Yeah. So that means you'll never be able to run it again. It's just like, that's not true, <laughs> but that's what it is now. Yeah. And it's just a matter of what you're willing to do about it. What can you do right now? Like you might not be able to travel to go pick up and leave randomly, but you can go on trips with your kids. You can take a day trip. You can go somewhere. You can go to Legoland for a couple hours. I, actually, I don't know if you can, but. Yeah, I mean, we did. And so maybe that's, that is your present life. And in five years, maybe your kids can go skiing with you. Oh, for sure. I mean, I think even in two months, in March, we're going to Colorado with Mink's brother. And I actually want to try to take Miles out yeah. to the slopes and get him some lessons. Yeah. Give him some tiny skis and take the tow rope up and let him kind of come down. And, and then when he gets sick of it, give him a sled. Yep. No joke. But that's like when we talk about mindset. That's like kind of the next step that we need to make sure we do when we accept our present condition or whatever, we need to also append a rosy future or something optimistic. It's like, I can't travel as I'm not as free to travel with the kids, but in a few years, not only will I be able to travel, but I'll be able to travel with the kids or do stuff with the kids. And that makes me less discontent or depressed about my current shortcomings. Right, right. I think that's important because then you're kind of doing a little bit of future planning as well. And you have something to look forward to versus just constantly bemoaning like what's lacking or what's not right. Yeah. If we were to take my work example, I think it's a little bit different because I don't try to envision that this is going to be like a billion dollar business, let's say for ventures. Or, you know, even if I was thinking like, oh, it's going to be a $10 million business, it doesn't excite me. I think what does excite me, like an alternative or not an alternative future, but a potential future for working towards something like this is that it provides good networking opportunities. Like I have a good platform to network and meet new people. And so I try to find something about this current predicament that excites me or... I think that's important because a lot of people who are working now you might be stuck in this kind of job that you you might not like it. You might not like be happy with your current situation, your work situation, your income situation. But that doesn't mean that this is the rest of your life. And so the question you have to ask yourself is, maybe one of the most important questions is, and this kind of sucks to 
think about and it's very difficult, but where do you want to see yourself in 10 years? What does that look like to you? And what's one thing that you can start doing? Maybe you're in your job now because you're learning a skill set. You know, for me in sales, doing cold calls, I don't know anyone that says I love making cold calls. (laughs) I don't think that's a thing. No one likes receiving it. And I don't know if anyone actually likes cold calling people, but I'm doing it because I'm learning how to communicate. And I think that is an important skill to have for the rest of my life. And so what is that small thing that you can think about when you're in a job and it it can be a grind and you might not like it and you might hate waking up to it, but what is that piece that you can take away from that and then build on that to go and change your life in a year, two years? What can you work towards now? And I think if you get stuck on that, definitely, I think, talk to friends, you know, find a mentor. I think this is where mentors or friends help. For you, like, even as I'm thinking, like, one of the best things about sales is, is learning to think on your feet is that kind of improv nature so much so that like I've always wanted to take improv classes or, or sales classes for that reason yeah being dissatisfied or being discontent with life I think a lot of people actually really struggle with it I think it's built into us to always kind of want more to compare with other people you were saying like comparison is such a n- normal thing and so maybe if we're always comparing there's always a part of us that is going to feel dissatisfied because we feel that we can do more. And maybe that feeling of wanting more isn't necessarily a bad thing because a lot of us, we feel bad about wanting more, right? But maybe it can be like a a drive that it's more of a positive thing where it's like, okay, we still have this kind of will to live. Living life is about always chasing after things, attacking things, going after what you want a goal that you set, some kind of vision that you have for yourself. You know, the will to live is is really tied into this, the drive to want to do something. And maybe even that's why a lot of people who are working till they die, they never really retire. They always pursue what they're doing. And maybe that's why they can kind of stay young and still stay relatively healthy because there's always a drive for chasing something. I will add, I just wrote this down. What's important to recognize I think this is a frequent topic that we talk about, especially with mindset, is, is having self-awareness. What and when are you comparing? Comparing, we're never going to get rid of comparing or comparisons, right? But my example earlier about like how I try to control what comes in so I limit what I compare, because I don't need to compare everything in my life. If I try to analyze and compare every aspect of my life, I'm going to be fucking miserable, <laughs> you know? And so what I wrote down was like, if you find yourself comparing being dissatisfied, I think if I were to break this down, Like, why are you comparing this aspect of your life? And is this aspect something you want to change right now? For example, with work, why am I comparing myself to like billionaires? Is that something I want to do right now? The real answer is like, no, I don't. Like, I want to spend time with my kids, right? I don't want to go like build a billion dollar company right now. That's just something I've accepted for me right now, right? And so I'm okay with that. I'm happy with that versus just indiscriminately comparing myself to some other entrepreneur and feeling discontent. I think that's important. So I'm making the choice and decision, like my choice and my decision that that's not an area of my life I want to compare or work on right now. It's an intentional choice about how and why you're going to compare yourself or what you're almost willing to like ingest, like the information that you're going to allow in. What you want to ingest, what is feasible and what you can do right now. 
So even with travel, I have friends that like are traveling a lot, and but they're traveling for work, right? Going to these exotic destinations. But I'm just like, what what's feasible for me right now? And let me just figure out what I can do with my family and, and be happy about that. And to that extent, like it was one of those things where I was like, I had to bring it up. It's like, all right, well, talk to Minka about like, what trips can we plan for this year? Reasonably with two young kids. And we kind of planned it out for the rest of the year. There's like three or four trips that, you know, we have. And I don't know why, but we've never really done that before. And this is our first year doing it. And I'm actually looking forward to the entire fucking year. <laughs> nice. Not everything is even said. It's just like there's ideas out there. It's like we're telling people about it. Oh, speaking of which, that's actually something that I've been thinking a lot about too is as we're getting older, our parents are getting older. At least back in Michigan, I remember like we used to always be invited to other people's family reunions because we didn't have any family here in the US. But even when we're in China, I guess like there would be like family reunions in China. And I don't know, in the past five, 10 years since I've become an adult myself, I haven't been to any family reunions at all, (laughs) you know, (laughs) other than my wedding. And I'm just like, wait, what happened to that? Why don't we plan family reunions or family trips? And I think in this day and age, it's so much easier too, because of Verbo and Airbnb, like where you can rent out like a mansion for like, you know, weekend for like, you know, thousand dollars a night. It's cheaper than any hotel for like 10 people and just hang out for a weekend and start planning things like that which I think would be really meaningful. And by the way, that's a topic I want to talk about next week or the week after is, is around like, also like, especially when we work and make money, like how we spend that money. I've been listening to this book called Die With Zero. And although it doesn't really apply to everybody, I think there's a lot of lessons that we can take away from that. So yeah, be intentional about what you're comparing in your life. I think that's the key takeaway from today. Otherwise, you're not in control of your dissatisfaction. Take control, take the reins on your dissatisfaction. It's like actively choose what you want to be dissatisfied about. And you're choosing that because that's something that you're actively going to work on. Mm-hmm. Well said. Versus just feeling dissatisfied about everything. Yeah. <laughs> it's, just, it's raining outside. Like, you know, I'm not working out enough. I'm not playing enough golf. You know, like my kids are like having their own weird issues. And like, <laughs> gosh, you know, like after work, you know, it's, it's so many freaking things. Just limit yourself to what you want to be dissatisfied about. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. If you're dissatisfied with something, be intentional about what you're going to allow yourself to be dissatisfied with. Have a great week. 